Today on the Joy in the Word podcast, we pick up in the Gospel of Luke, and we're in chapter 9. This chapter begins with a section entitled, Jesus Sends Out the Twelve, and this is also in Matthew and Mark. It says, when Jesus had called the twelve together, he gave them power and authority to drive out all demons and to cure diseases, and he sent them out to preach the kingdom of God and to heal the sick. He told them, take nothing for the journey, no staff, no bag, no bread, no money, no extra tunic. Whatever house you enter, stay there until you leave that town. If people do not welcome you, shake the dust off your feet when you leave their town as a testimony against them. So they set out and went from village to village, preaching the gospel and healing people everywhere. Now Herod the Tetrarch heard about all that was going on, and he was perplexed, because some were saying that John had been raised from the dead, others that Elijah had appeared, and still others that one of the prophets of long ago had come back to life. But Herod said, I beheaded John. Who then is this I hear such things about? And he tried to see him. Now we move on to verse 10 with Jesus feeding the 5,000. Something that's important about this miracle is that it is in all four Gospels. The only other miracle that is in all four Gospels is the resurrection of Jesus. And here this one is in all four. When the apostles returned, they reported to Jesus what they had done. Then he took them with him and they withdrew by themselves to a town called Bethsaida. But the crowds learned about it and followed him. He welcomed them and spoke to them about the kingdom of God and healed those who were in need of healing. Late in the afternoon, the twelve came to him and said, Send the crowd away so they can go to the surrounding villages and countryside and find food and lodging, because we are in a remote place here. Jesus replied, You give them something to eat. They answered, We have only five loaves of bread and two fish. Unless we go and buy food for all this crowd, about 5,000 men were there. But he said to his disciples, have them sit down in groups of about 50 each. The disciples did so and everybody sat down. Taking the five loaves and the two fish and looking up to heaven, he gave thanks and broke them. Then he gave them to the disciples to set before the people. They all ate and were satisfied, and the disciples picked up twelve basketfuls of broken pieces that were left over. Now you will remember that when we discussed this in Mark, we talked about the fact that bread was regarded as a gift from God, and it was required by Jewish law that the scraps that fell to the ground must be picked up. Now, as we just said, Twelve basketfuls of bread were picked up. This would mean that each of the disciples returned with his own basket full. This represents the abundance. It says that they all ate and were satisfied. At least 5,000 men, not counting women and children. Now moving on to verse 18, Peter's confession of Christ. And we read about this in Matthew and in Mark. Once when Jesus was praying in private and his disciples were with him, he asked them, Who do the crowds say I am? They replied, Some say John the Baptist, 
Others say Elijah, and still others that one of the prophets of long ago has come back to life. But what about you, Jesus asked? Who do you say I am? Peter answered him, The Christ of God. Jesus strictly warned them not to tell this to anyone, and he said the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders, chief priests, and teachers of the law, and he must be killed, and on the third day, raised to life. Now he says this to them, but of course they don't understand it fully until it happens and then are able to look back on this conversation and realize that what he said was fulfilled. So then he said to them all, if anyone would come after me, he must deny himself, take up his cross daily and follow me. For whoever wants to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for me will save it. What good is it for a man to gain the whole world and yet lose or forfeit his very soul? If anyone is ashamed of me and my words, the Son of Man will be ashamed of him when he comes in his glory and in the glory of the Father and of the holy angels. I tell you the truth, some who are standing here will not taste death before they see the kingdom of God. Then moving on to the transfiguration that we read about in Matthew and Mark, it begins by saying about eight days after this, which means about a week. About eight days after Jesus said this, he took Peter, John, and James with him and went up onto the mountain to pray. And you'll remember that Peter, John, and James were the three that he was the closest with. As he was praying, the appearance of his face changed. His clothes became as bright as a flash of lightning. Two men, Moses and Elijah, appeared in glorious splendor, talking with Jesus. So even though they were from long ago, even though obviously Elijah didn't die, but Moses had been dead for quite some time, it is still known that this is who they are. Moses obviously was the deliverer. Elijah the prophet, and they appeared in glorious splendor and they spoke with Jesus. They spoke about his departure, which he was about to bring to fulfillment in Jerusalem. Peter and his companions were very sleepy, but when they became fully awake, they saw his glory and the two men standing with them. As the men were leaving Jesus, Peter said to him, Master, it is good for us to be here. Let us put up three shelters, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. And then it says in parentheses that Peter didn't know what he was saying. Peter simply understood the importance of the situation and the importance of the people. But Jesus knew that he still had work to do. So while he was speaking, a cloud appeared and enveloped them, and they were afraid as they entered the cloud. A voice came from the cloud saying, This is my son whom I have chosen. Listen to him. When the voice had spoken, they found that Jesus was alone. The disciples kept this to themselves and told no one at that time what they had seen. You'll remember from the Gospel of Matthew, that the Lord said, this is my son whom I love with him. I am well pleased. Listen to him. So Peter, John, and James understood the importance of this situation, and yet they didn't want 
people to think they were crazy, and so they kept it to themselves at that point. The next part of this chapter is entitled, The Healing of a Boy with an Evil Spirit. We read about it in Matthew and in Mark. The next day, when they came down from the mountain, a large crowd met him. A man in the crowd called out, Teacher, I beg you to look at my son, for he is my only child. A spirit seizes him, and he suddenly screams. It throws him into convulsions so that he foams at the mouth. It scarcely ever leaves him and is destroying him. I begged your disciples to drive it out, but they could not. Oh, unbelieving and perverse generation, Jesus replied, how long shall I stay with you and put up with you? Bring your son here. Even while the boy was coming, the demon threw himself to the ground in a convulsion. But Jesus rebuked the evil spirit, healed the boy, and gave him back to his father. They were all amazed at the greatness of God. While everyone was marveling at all that Jesus did, he said to his disciples, Listen carefully to what I am going to tell you. The Son of Man is going to be betrayed into the hands of men. But they did not understand what this meant. It was hidden from them so that they did not grasp it, and they were afraid to ask him about it. And the next section is entitled, Who Will Be the Greatest? It's in Matthew and in Mark. An argument started among the disciples as to which of them would be the greatest. Jesus, knowing their thoughts, took a little child and had him stand beside him. Then he said to them, Whoever welcomes this little child in my name welcomes me, and whoever welcomes me welcomes the one who sent me. For he who is least among you all, he is the greatest. Master, said John, we saw a man driving out demons in your name, and we tried to stop him because he is not one of us. Do not stop him, Jesus said, for whoever is not against you is for you. Then moving on to the next portion of the chapter entitled Samaritan Opposition. As the time approached for him to be taken up to heaven, Jesus resolutely set out for Jerusalem. He sent messengers on ahead who went into the Samaritan village to get things ready for him. But the people there did not welcome him because he was heading for Jerusalem. When the disciples James and John saw this, they asked, Lord, do you want us to call fire down from heaven to destroy them? But Jesus turned and rebuked them, and they went to another village. So here I want to point out that Samaritans were particularly hostile to Jews who were on their way to serve at religious festivals in Jerusalem. And it was a three-day journey where they had to go through there. Samaritans would typically refuse overnight stays to Jewish pilgrims. And you'll remember that it was really important, the story of the Good Samaritan, why that Good Samaritan was known as good, because he was the only one willing to help when he was the least likely person to help. So the end of this chapter is entitled, The Cost of Following Jesus. We read about it in Matthew. As they were walking along the road, a man said to him, I will follow you wherever you go. Jesus replied, Foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has no place to lay his head. He said to another man, Follow me. But the man replied, Lord, first let me go bury my father. Jesus said to him, let the dead bury their own dead. 
but you go and proclaim the kingdom of God. Still another said, I will follow you, Lord, but first let me go back and say goodbye to my family. Jesus replied, no one who puts his hand to the plow and looks back is fit for service in the kingdom of God. So in regard to the man wanting to bury his father, what my footnotes point out is that if the man had already died, they would have already been in the burial process. So what the man was really asking is, let me go home and stay with my dad however long he has left in this life and then bury him and then come and follow you. And Jesus basically said, the time to follow me is now, not when and if the time comes when your father passes away. So that ends the Gospel of Luke, chapter 9. And we will move on and pick up next time in chapter 10.